0: You are. Perfect.
1: So hello everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I am really excited for another chat and learn um, where we are joined with Han from DigitalOcean. And I will get into introduction shortly. Um, but I just want to welcome everyone today. Thank you for joining us from wherever you're calling from. We are more than happy to have you here um, to dive into today's topic. And so, you know, with that. We love participation that makes things just so much more fun. So, you know, turn on your cameras, come off of mute and, you know, any questions, comments, anything, please feel free to write in the chat. Um, And I want you to know that, you know, this is a safe space. So if at any point you don't feel comfortable writing your question or comment um, to the whole group, you can always write to me anonymously by um, clicking on the chat box and then just hitting the drop down menu and clicking my name. um, So Nicole Felter. Um, and this is being recorded. So we will send a follow up email afterwards with the recordings, you can uh, rewatch it, share it, whatever you wanna do with it. Um, and uh, so with that, no need to take any feverish notes. You know, We really want you to be engaged and uh, participate in the conversation. And this is about you. So I wanna make sure that we're getting to these questions that you have about this topic because there are so many engineers who are facing these same dilemmas. And so with that, I want to hand the mic over to Han Norden, who is currently the principal architect at DigitalOcean. And I will let her talk about herself properly. Um, So thank you for being with us today.
0: You're welcome. Uh, So as I stated on the slide, I started my career um, out at General Electric. Uh, I was a circuit board designer for uh, General Electric. Um, they, I also got on their technical leadership program which is a two-year sort of like an internal executive program where you um, fly to headquarters to take classes on Friday and Saturday and then the, once a year you get together uh, as a group of a 200 uh, your classes about 200 people uh, in uh, Crotonville, New York once a uh, one week every year and you do the conference and you get to I hear all the speeches from the various VPs and the CEOs. Uh, so yeah, after um, the working for G for five years, um, I uh, took sabbatical to uh, get my master's degree uh, in computer engineering uh, and um, then I joined Compaq and I became a uh, an IC, a chip uh, processor designer and I stayed there for 18 years and then I joined Dell because they made me a really nice offer, and then I joined DigitalOcean because they needed somebody to architect the data center, so that's where I'm at right now.
1: Wow, what an interesting path, and also what uh, that's so interesting about your former experience and having taken the sabbatical and all of that, I think that's so cool when people take a sabbatical and I I think at at some point in our careers, it becomes necessary almost to take that time off and maybe refocus, Um, so thanks for sharing that with us. And so, you know, as we said, Han works for DigitalOcean, and so I will drop the link to follow their company page um, in the chat. And you know, you can follow their company page to learn about updates, um, whether it be about upcoming events or jobs. So I will drop that in the chat. And so these are some of the questions that we have pre-submitted. And then, so if we don't seem to be getting to your question, if you have a follow-up question, please feel free to chime in, you know, come off of mute um, if you wanna come off of mute, but aren't really sure how to, you can always raise your hand by hitting the raise your hand button in the participant section. So without further ado, can you provide a better definition of the different paths, Han?
0: Right, so I took the slide and I drew in a why. My, I'm sorry, I should have given you a heads up on that. But your career path uh, is basically like a, a why. So at some point it will split early on in your career, whether it be technical or non-technical, you're going to be an individual contributor uh, doing the job that you are hired to do. So you do that for X number of years. And after that, uh, in the case of technical, for example, in my case, I was a chip designer. I designed processor. So after doing processor design for five years, six years, he said, okay, I, I, I know I can do this. I know how to do this. Uh, it, you become kind of complete, not complacent, but comfortable. So then the next thing is what would be interesting, interesting to me. Do I see myself designing processor for the next 40 years? And uh, at that point, for for me, uh, it was, well, we, the the same company, I was at Compaq then, uh, do I want to, they, Compaq also offer graphic design, uh, design graphic chips, and then uh, memory chips, like like basically all kind of chips. So I move on to do different chips. Uh, So that's where you kind of grow, and on technical term, it's breadth. So you do the same level of expertise, but multiple fields. So that, and, and the opportunity came for me at, well, my manager asked if I wanted to be a manager because I've been floating around and I do know how the design processor relatively well at this point, um, but at that point I said, well, I'd rather go and learn how to do a graphic chips instead of being the manager. Um, because at that time it's 2000, there was a lot of turnover. So new people are constantly coming in. Interview new people, bringing up, up the speed, teach them how processor design goes they there was a, a high demand for that as well It just for me at that point that i I prefer to go and do graphic chips I prefer to go and do you know, sound bridge or management control or memory controller chip so that kind of set me down the the uh, technical path and also when I was with GE, I was a circuit board designer, and you know after five years of doing that, um, I was taking neutral classes it was split between MBA versus uh, a master in engineering I was doing that and then when I took sabbatical I pretty much decided that I'm going to do a master instead of an MBA so from that that is what uh, that's when I decided that I want to go and get a master degree in computer architecture in processor design instead of an MBA because after five years you have enough credentials to pursue an MBA or a master at that point and at that point I you know I pretty much prefer the technical path so I have I went and got my master degree and then when I was presented after I became a chip designer five years after that I was presented to be uh, an opportunity to be a manager and I, I was still more interested in doing other chips instead of uh, you know uh, bringing people in and bring them bring them up to speed it was it was pretty much an interest at that point for me. So. The nice thing with compact is that wherever your interest is, they do as a company that prides itself on innovation, they do try to develop two paths that are exactly equivalent. So after five or so years, you, can, you have the opportunity to be a manager or you can be a senior engineer. And at this level, you can the, the skill set are the same because the, the person who chose to be a manager will have been designing processor for five years as well. So at this point you have the same knowledge level, and they you both relatively the same. And then they try to do that. As you move up after five years in those roles, do you, uh, from all the chips, so now you become a system designer. So as you move up the rung and after the manager is director. So it the every rung is supposed to be the same in terms of compensation, stock options. And the theory behind that is that they want the best technical mind to innovate, uh, and we do know a company do thrive on innovation, such as apples. So they come out with new things that, keep, that drive revenues up. So they do want Innovative Mind to stay on Innovative, innovative Mind without the uh, penalty of compensation, if you will. And on the management track, they do want people who are um, very capable at uh, pulling people together, guiding team, driving um, resources towards the, uh, the company's goal and drive revenue and profits and all that. So they do, uh, in the tier one companies I was involved in, the two paths are exactly equivalent at every run and in terms of compensation and, and stock options. But uh, the technical path drive the company, guide the company in technical direction, what technology do we invest in? For example, you know, the job and um, Uh, and Apple would be the perfect example. Steve Jobs would be, if he were, if he wasn't a founder, he would have been like a fellow, like the chief architect of Apple. Uh, Steve Jobs as a CEO, is kind of different only because he founded the company, but in most other companies, he would have been like a fellow, but that would be like a CEO equivalent.
1: And, And so, you know, talking about this, is this something that somebody who's not quite sure and is maybe, you know, looking to switch into a new company, is this something that they should look for to make sure that their company or the company that they're targeting is providing the same amount of compensation and the same amount of experience, um, you know, so that they can try and figure out what's best for them. That's a great question to be completely honest. I, the tier one company that I
0: came from, um, that was the key, the case, uh, The second company, that wasn't the case. Uh, The people on the technical path, the base salary is the same, but the stock option is higher on the management side. So you would see like a VP with stock options is worth in the billions, but you don't see the equivalent of VP, which is a fellow have million dollars stock options. Um, So some company, they're not all the same, but like I said, the the compact company always said, they want to make it equivalent. And there technical people at the peak of it all had million dollars worth of um, stock options. I don't see that uh, in the other company following that my, my first company for them to be the same. The base salary will be the same, except one has more stock options and one may not have
1: any stock options. Wow, that's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that information um and we had we had a question that came in the chat um so don asked i have the skills and experience for project management and dealing with people but they don't have much of a tech background um they're applying to jobs but not getting interviews what can they do to get a shot at jobs in the tech field like this um and so i i believe we have a question you know further on but i'm happy to get to this now about maybe certifications if somebody you know wants to be in management but also wants to work in tech. Um, do you have any certifications you recommend or courses that you think somebody should take?
0: So right now is a really tricky time, that is true. Uh, we do have DigitalOcean does have openings for managers. If you go to our website, you do see that and what I also do see here internally is the the hiring manager said she would get hundreds and hundreds really qualified resume for the same job. And that's pretty much unprecedented in her uh, three year tenure at DigitalOcean. So the competition out there is pretty fierce. So it would used to be that as long as with people manager, um, I guess, again, it depends on what group is being hired into. They, our company does require some fundamental understanding of the, the, the work that you are managing. But uh, in terms of certification, um, again, it really depends. For our, uh, say, our kernel development team, you probably would have to come from a drive, device driver uh, background, I mean, you, you were a software engineer for a while and now wanna lead people or have been a software engineer at some point. Uh, but in terms of, uh, we do have a program manager as well who, who don't need to be technical. And those are the one who have PM program management uh, certifications. A few of them do have those. Um, so yeah, but it, it you can you can apply for the program
1: management job without being technical. That's what I'm saying. Perfect. And we just had a chat about program management and what that means earlier today, so that fits in perfectly. And the that person was on that chat as well. So awesome to hear that. And so when did you know you wanted to choose the technology path over management? Um, you talked a little bit about that decision, but I would love to hear some of you know, your thought process in that. And what can someone just starting out in their career do to help them make the decision?
0: Yeah, for me, uh, it was at about the five-year mark after getting rather comfortable and confident in what I was asked to do as an IC. That's when, you know, what's next comes to mind and that was, uh, do I want an MBA, or do I want a master, and that's when I decided to go and get a master, and also along the way, uh, you make mental notes as to what, you know, the senior technical people do, and what managers do, and you you make a mental note, or even written down note, as, uh, do I like doing that, do I like doing that, and on the man, I remember when I was at GE, the, the manager was um, there was a lot of interviewing because that was around 2000. So the Y2K, there was turnover. So she was interviewing a lot and she was um, constantly training new people and, and bringing you up to speed and set the course for their uh, success so that they get to the point where the team back to the delivery capability that it was before the turnover, that kind of thing. And and she was very, um, she was very good at it. People loved her. There was this innate loyalty. Her name was Deanna. Like people loved love her. I mean, she was very nurturing. She was very uh, thoughtful, very methodic. So she was really good at that. And I also watched the one, um, the, the uh, processor design on, I was a board designer, but there was a processor designer uh, that I take the processor and put it on my board. And I watched what he had, the content of his work. And I was more drawn to what I wanted to be him when I, uh, you know, when I grow up, if you will. Uh, so that's why, that's where the master degree came from it's observe, I guess, observe and make mental note as to, you know, what, what people do that you like, or you don't like.
1: I I feel like listening to you talk about that, it's almost like when you have a favorite teacher, and it makes you say, okay, you know what, I want to be a teacher, because this person really positively impacted my life. Um, And I guess you can have the same negative experience, right, where you can say, wow, that was such a not great leader, that that made me want to pursue that direction to try to decide um, or try to influence people in a different capacity and maybe have a different impact on people and and for somebody who might just be starting out you know is there any advice you can give to them about deciding that path or would you kind of just say you know what try both and see I mean not try both because you have to get up into management but maybe trying to shadow two different people or mentorship maybe. Actually, that, uh,
0: that was a good point. My, my, I took a note on my my side window here. Is to seek out mentors in both areas. Uh, then, then you will see get, get more behind the scenes the so the content that they work, what they like and what they don't like as well. Because not um, in the end, we want to to feel uh, excited about what we do. If constantly bringing in new people, interviewing people is something that you don't enjoy, then that's definitely is the end of that road, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. Thank you. Perfect. And so how have, I mean, you did talk about this a bit, so I'm happy to have you dive in here a little bit more, but how have your past career experiences shaped your current work ethic and goals? So this one is a really interesting one. Uh, It was on the
0: GE technical leadership program that was, you know, a summer when they bring in all, uh, I guess, the TLP candidates bring them into the headquarter for a week of, you know, the speeches from various VPs. And I remember the CEO at that time for GE was Jack Welch. And, and this is in the nineties. So you get a job and you stay with that job for life. If you retire from the place that you got the job for, and then your son worked there, your daughter worked there, your grandkids start to work there. So it was that culture. So I went to, Jackwell was one of the first people who started the whole layoff and things. So his, in his speech, and he said that, you know, when you are done with the CLP program, the company would have invested the equivalent of an executive MBA program in each of the you. that translate to about at that time, the 90 was $50,000 a year in two years. So in, we have put in a hundred thousand, actually probably more than that because they had the flyers, the headquarter, wherever we at located. So we will have invested a lot of money in you. Needless to say, I don't ever wanna lay any of you off, but it is a business. There'll be down cycles, in which case I may have to lay some of you off. What I want you to do between now and then is, dig in as hard as you can, drive as much output as you can, to benefit both you and the company. And the reason why I said that is when the more you do, the more you learn. And he threw out a statistic like you, a person retains 70% of what they do, 10% of what they read, 30% of what they see. So the more you do, the more you retain. And if I had to lay you off, your next job is probably arriving before you even leave this job. So your next job will have lined up and people will love to have you. So be your, more than your best for, for
1: yourself and for the company, so that that stays with me. I love, I love that thought process, and you know, thinking about, especially now, as people tend to change careers every you know, three to five years or even less, depending on the field that they're in, right? Um, but thinking about that because there is so much that you can take from, you know, hopefully every opportunity, whether it be learning the softer skills or learning those hard hands-on skills. Um, in your field, right? Uh, that's that's really that's an awesome way to think about it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that'll stick with me. And so, what are the challenges for someone with a t- technical background to get transition into leadership roles? What's the best way to prepare? Well, you talked about this a little bit, but do you think there's any courses or any specific things that can prepare you more for the leadership aspect? So
0: like I said, you, there's a period of time early in your career where everybody is an individual contributor. Um, and and it, uh, you remember the, the Y shape in the, in the first slide? Uh, the company that I came from, a different company will be different in that um, a man, the way they, they shape is a pyramid kind of shape. So a manager is somebody who manages, say, 10 people. So in a group of any 10 people, there'll be one manager. And the equivalent of that is on the technical side. In a group of 10 people, there will be a technical ladder, the first rung, which they call master of technologists or a senior engineer, whatever the terminology may be. So there's also that level of hierarchy as well. So the, the opportunity will, will come in, you know, after so many years, you will be asked whether you would be interested in, in, in a management role or, or you will ask if you can be promoted to a technical ladder. And, and either could be one way or the other. And the people have left company because they don't get promoted onto the technical ladder or, you know, management, they, they go somewhere else to find management role. Uh, but those roles get posted or you get promoted into or you, you look at posting and you apply internally or externally. Um, so the opportunity will, will be presented to you or will be available for you to apply. And what role, um, there are a ton of leadership styles and leadership books. Again, for me, the observation was pretty important because they're different leadership styles and different the size of the company matter as well. Uh, in, in a big company, you actually have, my, my second to last employer, you see different management style more, you know, when you have a company of 300,000 employees, the autocratic do, everybody needs to do this because I need you to do this. The autocratic do as the CEO want you to do, that's more ubiquitous because you can't have consensus driven from 300,000 people that would never, you will never get anywhere. you never get consensus. So the big company is autocratic. is do what I need you to do. It's not a debate. I'm not seeking for, for your opinions. And actually a CEO actually said that it, it's not, I'm not polling for opinion here. I'm just telling you what we're going to do. That's what, <laughs> and then there are like startup where it's more, um, hands-off, what is the style? Uh, I think laser fair, I think it's, it's referred to where you kind of let, it's a startup of like 10, 15, 20, 50 people. You let people do what they do best and the company is driven from that. You you create a product from what your people innovate. So with small company, it's more hands-off and be the supportive. provide uh, your people the, the tools and the resources and let them be what that they can be. And then you know, your company is what they can uh, derive um, uh, what's the best way to prepare for that uh, I just like I said different depends on what company you want to get into startup or midsize or uh, a big company there are different books on those
1: as well mm- And as you're talking about moving into these leadership opportunities, you know, what if you feel like you've been proving yourself and, you know, you've even maybe applied internally a few times and you've just gotten passed over. Um, I know this is kind of a narrative that we hear from a lot of women in technology, especially when they're working in companies that have more men, you know, they feel like they're just as equipped as the other people on their team, whether they be men or not but they're not feeling like they're valued. Um, how, how do you recommend somebody go about getting into leadership that way? Or, um, yeah, how do you recommend somebody get into leadership?
0: I would say seek out the opportunity elsewhere. Like I said, in the big, the tier ones companies that I came from, or like it's it, it, a pyramid kind of um, like architecture. So, you know, every 10, that would be one manager. Every 10, that would be the, you know, the first run of the technical. And then every... A uh, forty. That would be the next level. Uh, then the next level on the ladder. So it 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 equally competitive on both sides. So basically, for you to move on to the rung, you would have to be in the ten percent. Um, and and of course, there are you know biases and things like that. I would say if you keep getting passing over, which if you all ten people from your team have aspirations to be manager, you probably would get passed over nine times before you make it. So the probability is like it is a pyramid kind of architecture. So is the likelihood getting passed over is pretty high. And I would say, seek out the opportunity
1: elsewhere. Perfect, okay. thank you so much for that. And I just want to call out, you know, if anyone has a question or anything, please feel free to drop it in the chat, come off of mute. Um, you know, this is about you. So I want to make sure that we're getting your questions answered. And so, is it okay to switch between management and tech roles, say, every f- few years, or is it better to choose one and stay focused? So,
0: it uh, depends on how far into the, the path you are. So, at the first run, right, as a manager or senior engineer, they both, like I said, they're in- interchangeable. I have seen uh, teams that one acting as the other um, when, when need arrives. but as you get... A uh, higher for the equivalent of a VP is a fellow and a fellow, a VP If a VP. Um, a VP cannot become a fellow because the technical knowledge isn't there to drive a company in that technical direction. There'll be so much missing detail that I, I, I don't see that ever happening. Um, let me see, okay, the switch between. Um, if you're constantly switching back and forth, I'm trying to think, if, if it's a small company, A small startup, I can see that being conceivable, Uh, but larger than that, I don't see it in a sense that if you are in a manager for five years and someone else on the technical path, they have five years on, let's just say, pick my, my field, which is processor design. I know that after five years, your computer that you bought five years ago is not anywhere near the computer you can buy today. So you know that the person who stayed with technical for five years, they have gain that faster better knowledge that you as a manager people manager have stayed away therefore you will miss that so you jump over to the technical side you get caught up say okay so now great i i can do a you know a really a 2020 computer and then you stay for well, five year you get to 2025 so i can you know i i'm as good as a 2025 computer and you jump over back to management so now somebody go to you know, it's now supercomputer in, in 2030. So now you, you constantly play and catch up. So you basically stay at the same level, but you just go back and forth. You don't progress.
1: And is there any way to maybe dabble in both? I don't know if, you know, if you've ever volunteered and trying to like keep up on your, te- on your technical skills and on your coding skills. Um, if somebody was interested in, you know, maybe trying out the management path, but making sure they're not losing sight of uh, their technical career to fall back on in case they don't like the management path. What advice would you have for somebody who's looking to maybe follow that kind of career path? So I've seen in small startup company where you can be
0: on the management track and still do code slinging when you need to. Uh, my husband is a CSO and he still writes codes Now and then, not often, but when, you know, crisis happen, he has to go in and sling some code, he still can. But then this is a 70 people startup company. So if you, a small startup where the focus is, you know, your company is McAfee, let's just say, you do cybersecurity or whatever. If you focus into this one particular threat, then you can go back and forth between those. But when you zoom out to like a tier one company like say HP or Dell where they have so many products that they, it's just not conceivable for you to be a technical person to understand all these products technical behind all these products like like an HP or Dell offer and still be an effective like VP or
1: director. Mm-hmm. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome. Right? And, <laughs> the, okay, kind of piggybacking on that question that I just asked how easy is it to switch back to technical if you realize that managerial track might not be for you? Um, so I guess also in this question, you know, are there any courses that you might recommend or anything that you've done to, to maybe brush up on that? If you kind of went into managerial and said, Oh, this isn't for me.
0: So I think if you are like a first run where you are a manager for like a four or five years and you realize that, yeah, you know, I'm, it's not for me. And you switch back. I, I think it's not a, it's, it's not a, light, it's not a uh, difficult lift to, to, to start down that track. So I would say early, just know early on, do a lot of self-assessment while you're taking that first rung on either path and know, uh, you know, really be honest with yourself. And if you really don't like it, switch back. Because like I said, once you go deeper, it's almost like you can't go back in, without, without having to go all the way back. I don't mean you can't switch over and be equivalent. You can go back, but you would have to drop down of the, the runs. Like if you're a VP and you want to go back to being a technical contributor at like a tier one company, you have to go back to like a senior engineer level, which nobody has ever done. Where once, they, you know, once somebody pick a VP and they realize I really don't like this post, I I, I at Tier One they 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 launch with it, they continue with it.
1: <laughs> I don't see them going back ever. <laughs> But yeah, because I, you know, that that also is like a cutback on their title and probably on pay more than anything. Oh, absolutely, and- absolutely, yeah. The the pay cut. I don't
0: think once you get used to that level of spending, uh, you can't. Because I remember one VP at the company he was uh, talking to all of us, and he was talking about um, uh, what is that customer service, uh, the uh, NPS, oh NPS, the, the 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 rating that you give, and said, like, you know, do any of you have Mercedes? You all you have Mercedes, right? And and. We all said no. We don't have Mercedes. We're not vp We don't have Mercedes. You can't relate to your story. I said, okay. What he's saying, the Mercedes actually have NPS. That way, when you take your car to service and then you take it out, they actually give you, you know, a survey, and you either give them like a five or a zero because you give them anything between it gets pulled into a five or a zero anyway. but he said, you know, it's it's experience that you get when you take your Mercedes into the shop. I said, well, nobody does that. So <laughs> So (laughs) needless to say, even if he doesn't like VP position, he would not, he's not going back to being a senior engineer.
1: (laughs) I don't blame him. And also, you know, here talking about this, I think if you're in a managerial track and you thought you liked it, it might also be the environment that isn't, you know, fostering the type of place that you want to be. You know, I think that's that's important to recognize as well. It may be the fit for you, but it might not be the company fit for you and the culture fit for you, which is always important because I think, you know, as much as you, as loving your job is important, it's so important to love the people you work with, maybe not love, but like the people you work with, um, more than tolerate them, let's say, um, and enjoy that because I I feel like that makes up so much of it. Um, and so we have somebody writing it in the, in the chat and they said, thank you, Han, this is really insightful. I have a strong technical background and I'm finding that companies only recognize this aspect. I applied to several companies to manager positions and rarely got an interview. On the interview, I had an interviewing person told me that I'm too technical for manager roles and that he sees me in engineering roles. This leaves me with the choice of only moving horizontally through similar technical roles. However, after 15 years of technical roles, I feel like I'm just running in a circle. Have they
0: tried applying to DigitalOcean? <laughs> <laughs> We're hurting no managers. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. I am surprised because I know at Digital Ocean, the same though with the tier one company that I'm at. Well, it depends. What, by you mean manager is like the first, you know, like we call them line manager. Basically, you have 10 people because then after the, the rung above that is senior manager, which means you have maybe multiple of teams of 10 that you watch. So the senior manager would have a few, you know, line manager under them. So their scope of influence is like 40 to 60 people, that kind of thing. Uh, So if they come in, if the the first time you want to become a manager, I think you can apply for a position that manages about, you know, between five to 10 people with 10 being the max. So those, I I don't see why she or he, she wouldn't get the position. I, I, they, they actually, those positions does require relevant technical knowledge it may it may not be applicable. I'm wondering, but yeah.
1: And and also, Stanny, um, just listening to this, maybe it's a, a thinking, reconsidering the way your resume is worded. Maybe it's not you know highlighting some of those um, leadership. Roles in a way that you think you can, because I think in our day-to-day lives we do a lot of things that aren't we don't think about as you know pertinent to leadership, but I think they do. You know, maybe if you have children at home, whether that's communication and um, negotiation and patience, um, you know, or taking care of elderly family members, or something you do in your spare time, you know, I think there's uh, maybe a different way to you know approach your resume. But I'm going to drop the Digital Ocean company page in the chat and you can go there and apply to uh openings that digital ocean has so thanks for the question perfect so and thank you so much Han. you you're this is a really great chat and um really really insightful so thank you so much for being here so does it doesn't this come down to a time commitment many likely have the skills to do either past or technical or managerial but do you have the time
0: I would uh, disagree with that. (laughs) The first run, yes, you do have time. And they've been in time of, you know, you lost a senior engineer or you lost a manager where the senior engineer is also the acting manager. That uh, that That is feasible. That is doable, definitely doable. But I don't see... Again, like it depends on the size of the company. If the company is, is a uh, before series A startup where the company is five people 10 people, you can be the CEO and sling the heck out of that code that you need. Uh, so it, it's all the size. So if you are a management person and under you is 60 people, I don't see you doing both. Uh, so it depends on the size of the team. Uh, if you want to do switch back and forth and you have time, again, the, it, I think if it's a small 10, 20 people team, you might be able to have the time to fill both uh, and, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the competency, the technical depth and breadth. But when you get to 60 people, where you I assume the 60 people, you want them to delve into different areas. And there is, not, there is no way a person who has the equity equivalent of 60 other people and still manage them. I, I think that would be a hard
1: uh, plus concept. Definitely. And do you think that one of these paths is less time consuming than the other? I think that
0: was the next question in terms of, um, yes, I, I do think one, oh, actually, personally, for my career, yes, I would say if I had chosen the management path, I would have had more balance because there was a point in my life that wasn't so balanced. Because I was in the direct line of execution. My code is needed to ship this product. And I had 8 year old and had ten-year-olds, and uh, you know, they feed them, tuck them in, and then you know, sling the code from the time they go to bed. My bed, my kids go to bed at 7:30 because after that, you know, I need to resume to so you know, I would sling code from eight till like one, two o'clock in the morning, uh, that kind of thing. So there was there was hectic time for sure. If I had been if I had st- taken the management position that was offered to me, then I can provide, I can urge someone someone else to be in the line of the execution. I would be off I'd be in a supporting role and I would be, you know, supporting a person whose code is needed, but not myself personally. So that's been time that I have to deliver. It
1: doesn't matter what happens. Hmm. Perfect. Thank you for that. And um so actually there's the answer and you're right that was the next question um so yeah thank you for that answer i'm going to skip this question now perfect and so and i know we talked about uh talked about this a bit so i don't know if we really need to dive into it um, I think what we kind of took from this question, which is, how can I find a leadership role that still allows for hands-on coding? It sounds like from what you said that that's more in a startup industry where you're going to find that kind of ability to have that hands-on coding and then still lead people at the same time. Right. The smaller the company, the more you will need to do that because everybody needs to contribute to the one product that you know, they are um, going to market for. I, so, you know, Power to Fly is a startup company and it is so interesting getting to play different roles, um, which I think is super cool. Um, just being able to like, I don't know, one day be in marketing and then another day be in, I don't know, hosting and how this is, it's all tied together, but it's a little bit different. And it's just, it's really cool getting to work in a startup environment. So I, I love, uh, startups and the fact that you can kind of, uh, you know, try on different hats and find the thing that really works for you. That's Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's why a lot of people uh, do startups because the the breadth of
0: things that they get to try out. I mean, the the flip side of that is if you don't get Series A funding or if people don't want to invest, then you're out of a job rather quickly. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. in our household, I was always the tier one, the the stable income person. My husband's been floating the whole startups ever since, you know, college. So one of us is, you know, kind of you
1: gotta stay stable. We gotta have health insurance. We gotta have a stable <laughs> paycheck, however little it is, kind of thing. I think also the thing that I feel like I notice is that the Seniority in a startup isn't—it doesn't hold as much weight as a larger company because you know there's different. There's a lot more rungs to climb um, on the ladder of seniority in a larger organization than a smaller organization. Um, I, I mean, obviously, right? Um, so that's just interesting. And Donna said, "Yes, startups give." Uh, ugh, excuse me. Yes, startups give a lot of opportunities to work in many roles. Um, so yes, and then somebody said I'm seeking for an opportunity to impact my skill set. Um, so Amaka, I will drop DigitalOcean's company page in the chat, and you can see if there's any opportunities that might fit your skill set and might um, give you an opportunity to enhance the ones you're looking to improve. And so, Han, where and how can you start transitioning from technical to management roles? Was there a pivotal moment? I know you said you went for your master's instead of your MBA, but you know with other people you've worked with do you have you seen a pivotal point in their career where they were like this is where i can either go technical or go the managerial path so i'm you know, my for my personal experience i'm wondering how many people chose the management
0: path if they didn't know the technical side is exactly equivalent because the, the back in the 90s even early 2000 even now with some companies if you want to be promoted where you get, you know, more stock options or higher pay, all of those come in management roles. Uh, the, you know, the, the senior, the more senior you are in a technical path, it just means that maybe you have more security, you can do more. So it, it, it translates to job security, and maybe a scope higher pay, but not as lucrative as the management path. Um, so I think that's that's why, why a lot of, I think that's why a lot of people chose a management path because they didn't know the technical path can be equivalent. And again, some company it, that is not equivalent. So it, the management path in a lot of cases is more lucrative. Um, so if you want to stick with technical path and you, want, you don't want to make the financial uh, sacrifice for it, then you need to, to confirm that on your interview, talk to the HR and make sure that they are equivalent. Um, Cause I, like I said, I, I, my personal student, like not all the companies I've been at what technical path is equivalent, uh, equivalent in base pay, but not in other compensation. You know, we, you know, we have a VP. So a fellow, uh, my level of a, a fellow and then a VP are the same but VP have access to private jets. I don't, I've never seen
1: a private jet from the company. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are parts like that, you know? Yes, definitely. Oh man, a private jet. That sounds really nice. The private jet and the Mercedes. That sounds a lot like my language. (laughs) You know what I say? Driving in a private jet. (laughs) Oh, you know, though I have to say, I think about this a lot, and you know, this is kind of on topic, talking about the money and um and compensation and everything, and sometimes, you know, you see all these people that have all these things and sometimes they just have more problems in their life too, right? Talking about money. And I feel like sometimes when we talk about climbing the financial or the career ladder, we talk about getting more money, but sometimes it's just more problems because as you were saying, somebody who, you know, stepped into a VP role and now makes a certain amount of money and reaches a certain threshold, it's really hard to go back. And, you know, that causes more problems with like maybe jobs or um, I'm thinking more existentially now, but uh, it's just always interesting to look at that when talking about these things, because I it, sometimes I think we get mixed up in the meaning of it all and that money isn't everything. And I think that's something that the pandemic has shown us, especially that money isn't everything. And, you know, health is something that is so important, um, you know. Right, so, I
0: mean, another example from my, he's actually turned out to be my fav- one of my favorite VPs, the, the you know, the Mercedes experience VP, that, that VP. The reason why he picked the management path for him was because he said he was, he was always really good with people. I think mean, he was really good at golf, digging into like root causing problems, not so much a thing that I'm not just staying on a computer on a Friday night trying to figure out why this thing doesn't work. I'm really good at golf and I'm really good at talking. So, so he pursued a career that played to his strength. He was, you know, most, most VP and those play golf. So, and they spent oodles of hours on golf courts making deals and things. And he was, he was a, a talker and he was a really good golfer and not much of a debugger. So I said, you know what, drop things that I'm not so good at and pursue what I'm really good at playing golf when somebody's paying me to play golf. Are you kidding me? Of course I do that. So so that was his choice for being a medical. Like he started out as an engineer, just like like, like me.
1: Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, and so um, Tatiana, thanks for your question, Tatiana. Asked, Han, um, can you please talk about more of your daily responsibilities and challenges as a principal architect of DigitalOcean? What tech and soft skills do you think are important for your position?
0: So on the daily basis, uh, we, we are a startup, so we have, uh, we use Slack. On the daily basis, I would keep my eye on all the Slack channels to see what crisis ensued. And what come out of that is that I see the weak links in our architecture, uh, what breaks a lot, what the pattern of breaks. And so the next generation architecture, I would need to figure out a way to fix that. So that's one of them. And um, the soft skills, I, I do see this a lot. The first time our new CEO came in and he had he sat down with me, he said, what would you like to change in, in a company? And I said, I would like for people to stop making assertions without data. Because when people say, oh, that break, you know, we need to change that because it breaks all the time. And when you actually peel back the onion and look for data for it, it breaks like Five times out of a hundred, and all five times that person will pull in to fix it, and therefore they burned by that scar. So in the end, you look at a grand scheme of thing. If your um, uh, SLL um, service um, uh, agreement say that you need to be functional ninety percent of the time, and you fail five times out of a hundred, you're still ahead. So yeah, um, be data driven. So if you're going to present my new architecture shall be X, Y, Z. And here's the data as to why we go in that direction to fix this problem. This is percentage fail. Have data for what you, for your decisions instead of, um, you know, it's uh, so-and-so, I heard from so-and-so. So those are the things that we trip a lot uh, into, we, we trip into making decisions based on, I heard it from so-and-so, or, you know, oh, my favorite uh, vendor suggests that we should do this. So when you somebody trying to sell you something, of course they're gonna tell you, you know, have slide deck of why you need it, even though they don't really have the detail on why you should need it. So yeah, um, study the data, be data driven with your uh, decision and have that in your back pocket so when you present to leadership team, you, uh, you have the rationale for why you propose or want the company to go into that direction.
1: Perfect, thank you. Um, And so if anyone else has any other questions, we have about 12 minutes left. So I wanna open the floor up to everyone um, to ask your questions about DigitalOcean or about Han's experience. She's done such a great job of filling us in. And so how do I find out what technical route I wanna go down? I'm interested in all things logic and tend to want to know a bit of everything. Okay. So that is good
0: that whoever asked the question is want to be into everything. And I think if you spend X number of years being into everything, you will have a preference and then that will surface as something that you need to pursue. Uh, and I, I also, uh, companies digital ocean being one of them company usually give uh, employee the option to attend a conference every X number of years uh, at, every year, I go to a few conferences a year, but everybody at DigitalOcean get to go to a conference, I think every other year. Go to the conference, that's what you see, you get to see other people in the world, what they are working on. Uh, It's a lot, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. But, you know, they, again, just like this, uh, what we have here, they all record it. If you ever want to, you know, go back and look at some of the things you're interested in, it's all there. Um, And, uh, you know, at these conferences, they have, birth of a feather, which means people pick topics that they want to talk about and usually held between four and six, which is happy hours. They usually bring in drinks and things that they talk about specific topics, you know, watch the birth of a feather title and, and attend one of those. Then you will, um, you, you know, whether you find out whether you're interested in it or not, but it's, you know, every day there's a Bird of a feather. So I would say conferences um and then participate in you know out of these conferences they usually call for membership or contribution uh contribute to those the ones that you believe in and then it, it really it does go from there it's, it balloons from there
1: oh thanks and what um what have been your favorite conferences that you've been to uh i mean last year more so than this year right well maybe last- this year as well <laughs> Uh, this year
0: hmm actually, I usually go to uh, o c p which is oh my gosh it's a it's hosted by uh facebook o c p open compute project it's a facebook uh project and they usually have all these vendors with the uh, neat form factors and everybody go there to show off what they've been working on and uh odd I mean, there's so many odd words there but
1: interesting so i usually i make an effort to go to that conference every year well it's it's so weird seeing everything switch to virtual and uh you know trying to recreate that sort of ambiance that comes with the conference right of like meeting people and and doing all of that we just had our virtual conference the first one that we ever did a uh, diversity reboot and it was so inspiring and so cool to also you know being down in Buenos Aires, have access to those conferences. Because a lot of times if you're international, it's like an, an additional cost to go to the conference um, as a lot of them are, end up being based in the U.S. So um, that's cool too from an aspect that everything's moving virtually and that you can still access all of this. Do you have any other ones for the rest of the year that you're looking forward to? I have another networking um, conference that I'm going to for all
0: the networking gears. But that one is, of course, everything's on virtual. That one, that's in August. I can't, I have to look at my calendar to see, but that one, yeah. Oh, uh, cool. And for what we do, they have Kubernetes coming up. So we do Kubernetes one of our products. So I do go through that conference. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, Tatiana said that they've attended the online AWS and MongoDB conferences this year. Both were very good. Okay, that's awesome. You that's awesome, cool. Um, Yeah, that's all right. Okay,
2: so I think probably this happens to a lot of women in tech, but I think because I do have soft skills and I tend to be a friendly, sociable person um, and I'm good with people, I often get comments like I've got from previous managers and career coaches like, oh, you should do an MBA, like you'd be a great manager, blah, blah, blah. And it's great to hear that. But at the same time, I know that, like, I I love the tech side. And I've always leaned towards that. And I think I will still probably get a master's in something technical. But I'm just wondering, like, are those skills kind of wasted if you don't do an MBA? Or is there a way that you can still be, uh, you know, an engineering manager who still like works on the very technical side, but maybe you, you manage a small group of engineers or something like that. Like, could you see the opportunity to still use those skills in a situation like that? Or is it something that you think if you have it, you should use it and just be a manager, a full full management?
0: <laughs> right. Uh, like I said, it depends on the size. If you see yourself being content with uh, managing the 10, 20, 20- people uh, i i think you can uh, you can do both and having soft skill is very important because uh, i've seen enough of the presentation that uh, you know people a lot of us engineers when we present something we assume that people should know what we're talking about so we come out with this we start talking and then we lost our Audience from the get go, and nobody follows right. the end of the presentation. Nobody knows, so it becomes basic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those the, the soft skill is super important. Just you know, make sure everybody in your audience understand what you're talking about, and they agree with you because they understand it, not because they you lost them from the get go. Uh, so soft right. skill is very important. But what I do know from tier one company is that you without an MBA, they would let you go up to I'm thinking director. But once you get the VP, they they, they tend to want, um, uh, actually all of them that I've seen have an MBA because at that point you do have, you basically run a division and right. you have the cash flow, the revenue, the headcount, all of that, you become a budget. You run like a small company. So they do want yeah. MBA for tier one, but without an MBA, you can, I think even with tier one, you can get up to maybe director level without. Anyone. Yeah,
2: so you could, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be an individual contributor forever, like you could still manage people, it just wouldn't be as many people as a VP or hire would, right? Right,
0: that's what, I, from what I've seen, that would be a correct statement. Okay, awesome, that's super helpful, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Perfect, thanks so much, Marissa, for coming off with of um, oh. me. I love it, I love it. And so Donna asked a quick question. And then as soon as we're done with that, I would love to get into a little bit about DigitalOcean and the open positions. Um, And so Donna asked, would an MBA be required if you have production experience dealing with and heading projects with budgets, different elements, et cetera, and making it happen?
0: The question whether an MBA is still important? Like I said, it depends on the size of the company. Uh, I think uh, a startup, like right now, at DigitalOcean, I don't think... A VP, all of VPs have MBAs? I don't think so. Uh, but I know at my, the tier one company where I came from, all the VPs have MBA. Even if they start a position without an MBA, I think they ask to go get an MBA. Otherwise they'll get, I, I, they, they asked to get an MBA. As a, as a stipulation to be promoted. So
1: you may not have it now, but I want to see it in two or three years. Perfect, thank you so much for that. Um, and Donna said, thank you. So, DigitalOcean is hiring, as you've mentioned, um, and you mentioned a bit about this. But what positions are you looking for currently?
0: You know, I don't know. I'm I'm less tech, so I'm sure there are HR people, DigitalOcean HR people on here. I have no idea. I do know there is. Uh, I know that we hired. I just don't know what we're all. <laughs>
1: Not a problem. I love the authenticity and I dropped the company page in the chat, um, the Power to Fly company page. So um, if anyone's looking for a job, you can definitely reference that and see what open positions they have. Um, and what's your favorite part about working at DigitalOcean?
0: Uh, it's small and it is a really good front company. of the out of tier one is huge. I mean, really stable income. After you had 20 years in one of these tier One. it pretty much, they had to lay off like, a few thousand people before they get to you right so it's a safe place but it is very it's small it's agile and they treat the employees really well and the impact that you can make is pretty huge and the the uh i think the theme at digital ocean is is we do everything with love and it's true you you feel the genuine the authenticity of people who want to help you who want to uh, to be successful with you. It's, it's the, the person, the person interaction is very personal and very, um, very personal. I, something that I didn't get when I was with 300,000 employee company. It's just that I need this from you. Uh, when can you get it? It's just like a handshake to get something done, but you act, it's very personable it's small company and, um, benefits are good. Uh, it's remote. Oh, hundred percent remote for me. So that that's new for me too. I went. I was at a tier one. You have to be in a location, and you know. I, I think what uh, made the decision for me is I got a call from a recruiter who said a VP wanted to talk to me based on my resume and all that. And that was two days prior. My high schooler missed the bus, and I was already at work. And my work was an hour away from home. So I'm thinking, oh my god, I can't get to you, and you still not, you know, not miss school. So it, the whole remote with kids in school, is super, super friendly. Um, and oh, uh, I, back to when I said I was with a company, a brick and mortar company, where I have to be uh, in, in the office and get some things done um, at a certain time. If it had been DigitalOcean, it would have been a different story because it's more flexible. But you know, at the old company, I would have to uh, finish my code from, my, from eight o'clock in the, in the afternoon to one or two o'clock in the morning. Um, and then I still have to show up to work at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning next day to fund all the meetings. With DigitalOcean, if I have to stay up until four or five o'clock in the morning to finish my code, I, can, I don't have to turn on my Slack and I, you know, I sleep until my, I get my fill. It, it's the flexibility that is very family friendly.
1: Yes. And Donna was writing that she has a little one and these are good things to think about. And yes, so true, Donna. Um, I have a one and a half year old at home and I work, my company is 100% remote at Power to Fly. And so it's really nice to have that flexibility and to know, like, you know, if you wanted to go travel, I mean, if that was something you could do, you could do that easily while you're working remotely and not worry about, you know, losing your job or saying, oh, I need to take a certain amount of time off. You can still work as long as you have an internet connection. Um, perfect. And so, Han, last question. Do you have any tips for somebody who's applying for a job at DigitalOcean? Be authentic. Just like you were
0: today, right, Han? It, well, there's like 600 other people like me. <laughs> <laughs> they're better. Yeah. They're better. So,
1: they're better than me, but at, at least, you know, be as authentic as me. <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's great advice. That's great advice. I think sometimes we forget to bring our authentic selves um, for various reasons, um, you know, especially in this tough climate, but it is always good to be authentic and be yourself. Um, So thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Tatiana said you are very authentic. So uh, that was echoed throughout the chat. Um, So thank you so much, Han, for such a great chat. You're getting some applause and uh, praise. So I want to say thank you to you for coming today. And I want to, you know, um, shout out to everyone that I'm dropping our LinkedIn's in the chat, Digital Ocean's company page again in the chat. Um, And you know, at Power to Fly, we have daily events. We have sometimes two, sometimes three events per day, of these virtual chats. So please join us for another one. Um, I love getting to be a part of them and doing them. So thank you everyone. And Han, I will let you have the parting words. Well, thank you everyone for joining. That was lovely. Awesome. And so I hope everyone has a good day and a a safe start to their week. Thank you. Bye.